Harrison Scheider. Harrison, man, what's going on? It's Joey Gingola. Hey, Joey, how you doing? Good, how you doing, sir? Good. I can't complain. Turning and burning on a Friday. Isn't that the best, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We try, we try. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm just curious as to what's what's going on in your insurance world. Yeah, so I, I specialize in environmental insurance, and I've been doing it my whole career, uh, which is only six years. So I'm 29 years old. Um, I just moved shops. I was at a regional um, boutique wholesaler that did expert witness work for environmental placements as well as brokerage work. Um, in Madison, Wisconsin, but then moved to a national firm here, Brown and Riding, just three months ago. Um, so I won some awards, you know, Business Insurance America kind of things uh, for environmental insurance work in the book that I built in those six years. Um, I've got some, you know, I got an Instagram page and some YouTube videos and stuff that I've done. So Rob and I have worked together for a while, and he kind of helped me get into that and all stuff. I've watched all of Ryan's things and Sydney and yourself. And so, yeah. So, being being a mostly health insurance guy, the wholesale like world, oh does, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me in a lot of ways, and it's it's something I'm like sure. slowly working my way into understanding. Um, For sure. And what what is it? I mean, so you're a younger guy in the business. Like what? Like what? Yep. What drew you to that aspect of it? What 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 kind of insurance path did you like see possible oh, yeah. for yourself? Like what what excites you? So, yeah, so a lot of, just like a lot of other people in insurance, it was kind of family-based, right? I yeah. grew up in northern Wisconsin um, working for my parents' insurance agency. Okay. Uh, they had a small retail shop, three or four offices across northern Wisconsin, um, and I've been in the shop since I was, you know, 11, 12 years old, yep. scrubbing toilets <laughs> and answering phones and then doing commission statements, and I did a uh, school-to-work program in high school through the big eye, I believe, Um and that's what got me kind of oh, that on that path. I had I got my PNC license when I was 18 in, in the state of Wisconsin there and went down to the Big Eye and got my courses and did my licensing and everything. Um, so I always knew I was going to be in insurance. Um, just, I couldn't go back to work for my parents' agency. My dad told me I had to go figure it out somewhere else. Um, and so skipping from when I was eight, eight, 18 to where you know I am kind of now, I, I got a football scholarship out of high school. Um, to go play football out in the mountains in Durango, Colorado. Um, and so I put the insurance thing on hold and went to school, right? Got a business <laughs> administration degree and uh, got paid to play. Um, we were terrible. I was, you know, football team was, was terrible, but paid for school. And um, I actually, I had my first set of twins their junior year in college. Wow. So I had to make some, yeah, I had to make some money real quick. And I knew I could do that in the insurance industry. Wait, wait, wait. First set of twins, implying that there's a second set of twins? Yeah, so I'm the most efficient broker you'll ever meet, not because I'm any good at what I do, but because I have four sets of kids and it only took me twice. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> like, honestly, that wait, time out. Like, that's impossible. I mean, it's not impossible, but. Um, no, it's a uh, one in 70,000 chance. It was all natural, and all the geneticists were all thinking we were a bunch of weirdos, but. Um, yeah, my, my brothers are twins, and her aunts are twins, and so it was just destined in the stars. And so, you yeah, should, you should yeah, you should really that. lead every conversation with that, just so it's just it's out of the way, <laughs> it doesn't have to come up, and just people's heads don't have to hurt for the rest of it. It's like, okay, I need time to think about that. Okay, right, right, 
yeah. Dude, I tell you yeah. what, man, yeah. I I'm, I'm kind of jealous because I I probably that would have been like you said, four kids two times, just knock it right out and be done with it. <laughs> just get her done. I, I did the old fashioned way, four kids four times, so I'm I'm very oh, in, I'm very inefficient. So yeah, yeah you're in you're in through the ringer. I mean yeah. we we had that first set, uh, you know, when we were 21 and found out found a way to get both get our degrees and get out of school and whatnot. And, um, yeah, we, we had a house and we both had careers in insurance. My wife, she worked uh, as an account manager at a retail shop, you know, doing personal line stuff. And we were all set. So we're like, why don't we have, try to have a daughter and God blessed us with another little boy. So we got <laughs> four of them. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's a good time. Time. So I'm I'm just gonna I'll just quietly be getting over that for the rest of the conversation. So don't mind me. <laughs> it might just it might no, just pop fine. up. Just I just might shout out like absurdities or yeah. something. I don't know. But um, no, so your right. wife so your wife is in insurance too. That's also kind of crazy. Yeah. So I mean, she got her license as well, and it's a good career path for you know younger individuals looking to get into you know, a stable position. Right. We had a family. We had a house. We, we were trying to position ourselves correctly and it was pretty easy for her to get a job and take the test you know to set it up i mean she no longer works in insurance now because we have the second set it's like thirty six hundred dollars a month to send them both to child care but she'll uh she'll probably go back once once we get them out in school how's that going i mean is she missing the missing the life or i mean, oh yeah i mean she does obviously um being at home with uh, the four of them at times especially in the summer it's tough she goes in right now, works seasonally at the at mall at, at the mall at Lululemon to get out of the house. Ah, so there you go. Um, just gotta get her to do something else. She, yeah, she will go insane. So, so like today, I have I have the little ones, and I'm at the at the gym right now, and they're in the uh, the childcare place while well, she's doing a whole new store set up here at Park Meadows Mall in Denver. So well, that's fine. You're at, you're at the gym with the kids, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm in the cafeteria here. They're in the childcare center. I get a, a nice free two and a half hours to work and get stuff done while uh, while they're in there. So, wow, you live a you live a very yeah. interesting life, Harrison. I, m- m- much of which oh. I I maybe envy. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I'm gonna think about that. Gym, kids, daycare, white man. That's, I like that. I like that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We try. We got to make it work, right? And so. Well, yeah. I mean, I think. So, well, so you know, I mean, this is something that we we talk a lot about. Um, is is you know d- diving into the whole family dynamic and i mean you've got it from both sides now i mean you grew up in an insurance family your wife is in insurance and you guys obviously have you know your own set of you know future maybe potentially insurance people are just trying to yep. Yep. so talk to me about this i'm interested because your dad said you got to go figure it out somewhere else right what, what was Correct. that what was that yep. conversation like that's i mean i i i, I have it go both ways i have a lot of people that tell me that you know, hey, go figure it out and then come back, or hey, I want you in right away. Yeah. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, so when we were talking about it and what we were going to do, the plan was always for me to come back. Um, but it just didn't, it, you know, it just didn't work out that way. Uh, the timing of things, I had kids early. Um, he actually sold his agency here just about a year and a half ago. And my life was kind of moving in another direction. I'd been really successful here on the wholesale side in this particular environmental insurance niche. And to go back and run a retail shop, um, I needed a little bit different experience, right? Um, so to do that, my dad would have had to hold on for another five years or something, and he just wasn't prepared to do that. And right now, the the, you know, the multiples of selling an agency and whatnot are really good. So um, not like I was hurt or anything by him doing it. It made the best sense for him and my, and my mom to make that happen. 
Okay. So he sold the agency then. Yep. Yep. And so what, what's your, so are you liking it on the wholesaler side? Is that something that you kind of see sticking it out? I mean, what, 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 is, oh, yeah. what, what, what do you, what, what is most exciting to you, you know, kind of oh, yeah. with, with the future? Yeah. So I, I, I love, I love the whole, I love the wholesale side. Um, especially the niche wholesale play that I get to participate in. Right. So I only have to know a lot about one type of insurance. Um, now there's a, you know, a bunch of different products and there's probably 65 different carriers that offer environmental insurance in the ENS wholesale space, but I get to be, you know, an expert practitioner at that game. Um, and you can, you know, create a really good living for yourself by doing that and becoming, you know, an expert in, in that field, whatever particular field. I mean, there's a lot of different angles to it. On the ENS side, there's like sports and entertainment risks that you can go into, healthcare, cyber liability, all sorts of stuff, aviation, transportation, what, what have you. Um, and so uh, I like it. I get to sell both ways, right? I have to sell, I have to sell the risk to my underwriters, and then I also have to go sell it to my agents and help them become the best sales producers they can be to the, to the insurance. Well, I mean, that's what, what, what is your focus then on the, on the ENS yeah. side of things? Like what, I mean, you do the environmental thing. I know it's like, there's something even more specific yeah. than that. Yeah. I mean, so there's different product lines. I, you know, I focus a lot on contractors. Okay. So since 1986, your pollution exclusion has been two pages long, right? Two pages long in the CGL policy, the ISO CGLs. And so every single contractor that swings a hammer inside a building has some level of environmental exposure because what happens when a roofer or a plumber's work doesn't work? It leaks and you have mold on drywall, you know, within a matter of minutes. So, um, you know, I sell a lot of contractors pollution liability to the different types of trade contractors. Um, at the same time, those same exclusions apply to your regular commercial buildings like hotels, hospitals um i don't let my kids swing swim in hotel pools or hot tubs there's stuff called legionella bacteria it kills people legionella disease but see so i i sell all types of different products to help agents get a leg up on the competition who aren't bringing up those conversations with their competitors yeah i mean that's it's pretty intense um because you don't want anybody (laughs) you don't want anybody to die um no for sure um how did you ever have it like do you find it refreshing to only have to worry about like you said or to know a lot about one thing versus having to constantly worry about keeping up on multiple different things on a on a, on a less you know kind of specific level yeah no i mean it's nice to know what i know right and to know that that i can provide a solution it does um it's tough sometimes because the sale of our product comes down to an agent being able to rope in the comp or the agent being able to place the auto. Now there's a lot of ENS carriers that can do combined policies that can include those for specific lines of business. So like right now I'm working on an asbestos abatement contractor and some of those markets, depending on the States include auto comp, GL, uh, and even property lines. You can write a whole package, but in most cases, the environmental products I sell, you know, rely on not only the education of the insured and the agent, but those other lines being placed with the agent I'm working with. What do you, what do you think, 
What do you think agents can kind of take away from that that specificity? I mean, to where like you can really drill down because I do think one of our big problems is not focusing enough on something long enough or deep enough. Um, yeah, is it possible for that? How where, where is the line drawn between you know what you can provide for agents and what agents can provide for themselves and, and getting specific on something? Yeah, I mean, so with any ENS placement, none of the rates and coverages per se are standardized, like or filed with the states like the standard market carriers are, right? So the the terms and conditions of those policies change overnight. Where you have some standard carriers that play in the environmental markets or products, right, and can offer them to, to an agent, but the agent is kind of playing Russian roulette at that point um, because of the way the terms are built. And so to be able to partner with, you know, an expert in the field on any type of ENS line of coverage um, should help an agent with the sale and not be concerned with an E&O issue um, for placing a piece of business. I mean, just like the other day we were in, our firm was in Kansas City with our environmental practice group, kind of just teaching ourselves up and learning. Met with a couple law firms and and what have you. Um, But because we have so many different markets now, the market is so soft when it comes to our product line, there are markets out there that will sell you a line of coverage, say contractors pollution liability, and they will not include specific types of contaminants like asbestos, lead, um, or mold coverage. It's the only coverage line that I know that you can actually like sell a pollution policy and not have any coverage for what the client actually does for a living, but it'll still say pollution on the deck page. (laughs) And so, so agents, you know, are kind of at a loss. They, they have to know so much about so many different products that it, it should really help to partner with an expert so that they don't have to worry about, you know, if they're getting the right thing for the right client. So in your perfect world, like how would you see that exchange? Like, is there something that we're we're too heavy on one way or the other? I mean, what in your in your perfect kind of breakdown of of what mm-hmm. an agent would do before they bring a piece of business to you, and then what you would be able to do for them, and then how it gets how that kind of circle is completed? Like, what does that what, what does that look like yeah. for you? No, I mean the 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 biggest barrier to the sale of environmental insurance is just you know agent education. They don't know what they don't know. The exclusions have been there for forever, and the products have been available since you know the late '80s to early '90s. Um, that said, the the way that business kind of flows is agents will call me, and they think that they have an issue, or they think their client might need some coverage, and they tell me, you know, basically what the client does for a living, and I go through and tell them what all of their exposures are based on that class of business. Um, whether it be a contractor that could have a mold issue or a disruption of asbestos while he's working inside of somebody's house or a site risk like a manufacturer of paints who could have, you know, release escape or dispersal to a third party, um, like a daycare center next door. Um, I'll go through those exposures with them. And then they have some ammunition to walk into that meeting with a client and say, hey, you have this exclusion. It's on your GLN property policy. There's a solution for it. Uh, there's a coverage gap filling product, and by that time, the agent and I have already ballparked the premium. It does not. It doesn't take very uh, very much info to ballpark premiums on on either of those product lines. And so, really, I, it's kind of like almost a good cop bad cop uh, game. You know, I tell them the scary things for their insurance, and they then provide the solution that we've already talked about. I like to make my agents look good by being the heroes. You can sometimes have to create the problems first, though or bring them to the surface for them to save the day. 
where would this fit in? Like, where do you see the opportunity yeah. for agents uh, that aren't maybe taking sure. full advantage of something like this? Like, is is there, in your opinion, is this grossly underutilized? Because I feel like it might be. I would. Oh yeah, no, it's completely grossly underutilized. I mean, you have a a primary insurance market of two hundred and twenty some billion. I don't know. Right. That's why I heard that somewhere. The environmental insurance market is only about two billion dollars in premium. Um, so it's, it's grossly underutilized. Um, the exclusions that create the opportunities for those agents have been in the GL and property policy since 1986. They haven't really changed much. Um, ISO has really only instituted uh, broader exclusionary words for specific contaminants like mold, asbestos, lead, um, fungi, and bacteria uh, since then. And so really 98% of insurance agents' commercial clients have an environmental exposure because of those exclusions, right? And so you can really utilize the, the whole gamut of what we're talking about here to to put your, your foot in the door as a wedge. Even if you don't write environmental insurance with me and you guys end up writing the entire account, you know, as an agency, um, because you use the environmental insurance conversation, that's a win for me. Because then somebody was educated and I'll be able to work with them on, you know, on the next deal. But it's grossly underutilized, for sure. So you said 98% of like... Yeah, like that. So, if, <laughs> of commercial risks. You can a, you can think of it. I'm sitting in a gym right now. Hotels, condos, apartments, office buildings. Yeah, that's crazy. a big number. So that means there's a whole lot of agents not selling environmental coverage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a scary line of coverage. Nobody really knows uh, the coverage lines. Um, there are more federal environmental laws for the protection of environmental issues than the entire U.S. tax code. So it's it's tough to get your head around as an agent when you're trying to focus on a bunch of different things. But if you can focus on the conversation and point out the exclusions, you can use it as a, you know, a door opener or an account retention tool as well. Um, you know, with rates being as low as they are and, and stuff in different lines of coverage, agents are trying to do a lot of different things to retain clients too. Um, and, and this is a discussion that you can have to, to help that value to your insurance when do you when do you see that most commonly introduced is it do you, you know with the agents that you work with is it at the initial point of sale on you know the first policy or is it at renewal or is it kind of off cycle what, what is what have you found most effective or seen yeah usually it's at renewal usually it's during the, the renewal process you go through a checklist um you know i look through the renewal with with agents all the time and show them where the exclusions are and, and benchmark premiums for them a lot of the times, too, on the contracting side, um, environmental insurance is required contractually now um, for general contractors and any subs that they might be working on some of these larger development projects as, you know, our economy grows and there's more and more development. Um, it's being required more and more in, in insured contracts. And so you'll get a call on a Friday afternoon that this client needs a $5 million contractor solution liability policy or you can't step foot on the job site or he can't get paid for the job he's going to work on. And so I see a lot of that too. So there's a lot of immediate need on the contracting side, but then on the renewal basis, uh, it's a touching point to, to help secure up a, a, a client, you know, accordingly. And what are we talking premium wise? Like, I mean, uh, what is the opportunity? Is there a reason that agents are staying away from it? Can they just, I mean, not make <laughs> money selling it? Like what's the, what's the situation? No. So, I mean, the premium side, you know, everybody thinks it's scary stuff. Um, six years ago, you could have bought a contractor solution liability policy, you know, for a guy doing 150 k in revenues for 10 grand. Now, 
your minimum premiums are $1,000 all the way up to a million dollars in revenue for a contractor solution liability policy. So it's it's really inexpensive and there's really no need not to have, not for each contractor to have some level of pollution coverage. Um, on the site side, so, you know, your site-specific pollution liability for actual facilities, you know, hotels, condos, apartments, manufacturers, gyms, what have you, those minimums are like 2500 to $3,500. So the minimum premiums are relatively low. The cost of, of you know, getting started for a contractor or somebody, if explained correctly, is really inexpensive. At the same time, there are some massive deals out there. Um, I mean, I've, I'm working on an asbestos treatment contractor here with Rob. That's going to be six, a six-figure deal. Um, and this guy's doing $17 million in asbestos abatement work. So it's not something that the agents can't make money at. Well, what's the what's the kind of implementation process like? I mean, because this is this this is on top of obviously what they're already doing, so they've got to come to you in addition to what's already happening, or is this something if they have the relationship with you know you that you're just going to lump this right in, or how do, how does that generally work? Because I feel like there's 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 something that you know is kind of inhibiting you know agents either just the awareness or whether it's just a process. Sure. Like, what in your opinion, how could how can this whether it's environmental, I'm assuming we can go down the list of things that, you know, different coverages that are not included mm-hmm. in the everyday sort of thing. And this may be the, this might be the larger conversation that we're trying to get at. Um, right. You know, like how do we make sure, and coming from the customer experience side of things, how do we make sure mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the the individual, the business owner, the contractor, the whatever, has all of those things taken care of, but yet they aren't taking half of their life to figure them out and actually do the thing. Yeah, I mean, the insurers are obviously coming to the agents as a trusted choice of, you know, referral, right? The agents, they're getting beat over the head every day, you know, uh, on different things, whether it be cyber or, um, you know, work comp rates that are changing, what have you. Um, the biggest thing for agents, I think, is just to, to work to educate themselves. Um, instead of, you know, sitting back and trying to, just work with standard markets and and um, rely on those relationships. There are a lot of opportunities uh, and expertise outside of the standard realm, and the ENS market has always been around to to help with those. Um, that's what it was designed to do. Um, and so, in making sure that your, your clients are protected correctly, um, exploring those fields, whatever coverage it might be, I would think would be important. I mean, there's a lot of consolidation that's going on, and in consolidating, you have to find a way to, you know, branch out to, to to a niche market of your own as an agent. And so finding a class of business that might be specifically environmental might be a great way to make sure that those clients are protected correctly with, you know, the type of programs that we have. What's the, what's I've got a lot of different things there, but I don't know if it was confusing or not. Well, I mean, no, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I, 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 you know, I think it's, it's, I'm always chasing, like, how can we make it better? How can we make it easier? How can we make it more efficient for everybody involved? Right. And I think that's yeah. part of what, you know, inhibits the, that relationship in a lot of cases. I mean, I, I know, I know I've heard agents say, oh, it's ENS. I don't want to mess with that. There's other agents that kind of, they, they enjoy that, that kind of assembly mm-hmm. process of, of putting things mm-hmm. together. Um, yeah. And, and again, I, I don't, I don't have tons of, you know, I don't have tons of experience in, in that, you know, being a health insurance guy. So it's interesting to hear, you know, from an outside perspective, 
you know, yeah. what agents, what agents like, what, you know, you guys are trying to, to do and, and how does that all fit together? Because I, I think, um, there's definitely some opportunity. What the question oh, I was yeah. kind of curious to know is, I mean, you said pick a line of business, uh, that, that, that is kind of tied to like, where do you see, you know, the biggest opportunity where, where what are the things that you that are coming across your desk that like man like this sure. this is like something that it's 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 there's a lot of demand there's there's you know mm -hmm. what, what what is that niche or line of business that you're you're kind of most yeah i mean within within environmental insurance there are always programs right the the environmental consultants the um firewater restoration firms so you have a firewater restoration firm in almost every city you know in the country right and they all deal with mold and category three water, which includes bacteria every single day. Um, they also have specific contractual requirements with a lot of national claims networks. So these networks have these fire water guys on call to make sure they're there at a, a fire loss, right? A residential fire loss within 24 hours. They require them to carry specialized environmental insurance for that mitigation work they do. And so there are packages, GL, CPL, professional, auto comp, what have you, for specifically for that, that class of business. Um, that's a great opportunity for agents out there because there's a robust market and you can write all lines with a specialized program um, in the environmental space. Um, at the same time, there are specialty programs for manufacturers and distributors of any type of product that could create a, a release escape or dispersal of an irritant or contaminant. Those are the operative words in the pollution exclusion irritant or contaminant so you can imagine you know what a pollutant actually is in regards to a pollution policy um we've seen milk mountain dew bourbon all sorts of stuff but in regards to the manufacturers and distributors anybody that builds or designs any type of widget and sells it there are package placements gl products pollution um site pollution as well that that cover all those gambits of, of potential loss so again, if the agent you know specializes in those types of risks, they they have a, a good opportunity to to write some business with a specialized program. Yeah, it's interesting because it sounds like again, just it sounds like there's just a lot of a lot of areas that are, are really just not thought out as far as yep. the extent of where the coverage yep. might come into play. Um, right. Not really sure whose fault that is, but it's probably somebody's. <laughs> Well, there's just this whole, you know, dispersion of standard market carriers who have their guidelines, and it's tough to fit some of these risks in there sometimes. And agents kind of beat their head against the wall trying to do that. Where there's a whole ENS market where, I mean, there's 20, 30 some markets that would gladly take that type of risk on. I mean, we have waste manufacturers, waste, you know, logistics individuals who pick up municipal waste or um, take in manure and spread it on farm fields for different types of farmers and whatnot. There are whole environmental packages, GL, auto, comp, what have you, for those types of risks that agents just aren't aware of. With with, with the ENS stuff, I mean, is there is there something that you know should that, that we should lead with, or is it always the the standard you know kind of packages first, or is there something that you know an, an easier foot in the door that you might see or have experienced yourself that gets you gets you a seat at the table? with something like that versus leading with just the thing that everybody else kind of is, is kind of knocking on the door with. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, the, the contractor's pollution liability is, is really inexpensive right now. I mean, you can do 250 K 250 K limits for 750 bucks. 
And so you can go to any contractor that swings a hammer inside a building that could create a mold problem and just say, hey, you know, in review your policies this year, we found this pollution exclusion. Is there a potential for you to ever create a water loss? I think you should have this type of policy. Here's the solution. Here's what it's going to cost. What do you want to do about it? Um, that's an easy way to get started in environmental insurance. There's also uh, the tank market, which is underground storage tanks. There are state-run programs for underground storage tanks all over the country, and they have to prove financial responsibility to the states if they have any level of underground storage tank. Gas stations, maybe Walgreens that are being put up on the corner. Um, and those policies are really inexpensive as well. Um, there's a need and demand by the federal government for people to carry that coverage. So that would be also easy way. I mean, in some of the places I've worked before, that was the shoe in the door at agencies was writing those storage tank policies and then educating them on how many other opportunities they were, there were in environmental insurance for the agents to then go out after other types of risks. Now, what's it look like on the other side? Let's say we're we're not dealing with the the seven hundred and twenty five dollar premium. Like, what's it look like when we're if you're going to get serious with it? Like, where 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 do you see you know the biggest oh, yeah. need, the biggest impact? I mean, my biggest account uh, was a one point eight million dollar deal that there were sixteen different locations at a scrap metal recycling firm. Um, some of the locations were contaminated with PCBs. Um, he had had a million dollar loss the year before from uh, x-ray machines or x-ray, uh, I mean, radiation contaminated x-ray tests. Mm. Um, so long story short, but the client had taken in a bunch of vests off of mannequins. You know, you have those skeletal, skeletal mannequins inside of doctor's offices that they put the, the vests on before you get x-rayed. Yep. Well, this facility took in a bunch of these skeletons that had low-level radiation contamination and ran them through all their scrap recyclers, and it contaminated all their machinery. Mm. The full limits, million-dollar loss. Um, either way, we designed a package that included general liability, um, pollution liability, auto, uh, the entire firm, um, and that was a $1.8 million deal. And so... It's fun in the ENS market. You can design programs that you know specifically meet your clients' needs and are strategic about what losses or contaminations of the contamination event they might have had in the past. Yeah, we've gone we've gone kind of all over the place, which is making my head hurt just a little bit because it's like almost like like you said, like almost every corner of this could be impacted by it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so I I I teach a, a four hour CE course on on the subject and. The first two hours, all the agents are scared and don't want to write insurance anymore. Well, and the second, I, the I second might have broken out in a cold sweat at one point in time, Harrison. <laughs> I might have just started sweating a little bit. Right, right. And so, I mean, the second two hours, we build them back with a, a solution and show them the products and how to utilize them. And so, I really, you know, it takes some education, but it can agent an agent can really be successful in writing uh, these these types of packages or coverages. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's something that just isn't like you said, like isn't just on the radar, and that's like that's no. interesting to me. That yeah, no, I like I, and like <laughs> I said at the beginning, the big the biggest barrier to the sale of our product in the environmental space and probably the rest of the ENS space is agent education. I mean, if you look back even ten years ago, cyber was kind of just coming about, but there's been so much yeah. education on the subject that it's just exploded. Right. And so that's that's kind of what I what I feel. 
Where, I mean, what, you know, if you had to, you know, look down the road, like what, what is it, what, what insurance future have you not seen realized yet that you kind of think needs to happen or would like to happen? Like where, where do you see the industry going from your point of view and, and what, what are we missing? I mean, just like everybody says, I mean, the infusion of young talent is going to be stupid important. I mean, I'm a young guy and I was lucky to get into it quickly just kind of because of my family and what I had known. But I was sitting down yesterday with a, a McGriff agent, which used to be Brown and Brown, and he said he's got 12 people on his team and eight of them are 55 and 65 years old. And so in, in eight years, he's going to have to replace 30 years of experience eight times, you know, it's just not going to happen. And so programs or industry sectors that we can infuse young talent is going to be just dire. As a young guy that, uh, grew up in the industry, what, I mean, what do you think? Like, what do you think? What's the, what's, what's holding us back from that standpoint? Like, where can we do better? Um, do you have to, I mean, obviously, your background, most people's background, it does come from being exposed to it from an early age. But I do see, I do yeah. see more people getting kind of brought into it that that didn't have that upbringing. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what, what is your like when you tell somebody you're in insurance? Like, what does that conversation look like? And and I mean, how do you think we get more people paying attention to it? Yeah, I mean, my conversation is way different because of what I do. Right, I'm. I'm a crazy specialist in a really niche market and I get to see really goofy stuff all the time. And that's what makes it fun. I don't know that I could hold on if I was doing auto home in life. You know? easy, easy Harrison, easy. We just had everybody <laughs> just, they threw the phone out the window, the podcaster. I right, continue. No. And so, um, to get younger individuals involved, it's just showing up and being, I mean, the firm I work at now, Brown and Riding, they do a lot of on-campus recruitment um, at specific universities. The firm I worked for before, we brought in a bunch of interns from the University of Wisconsin. It's it's getting those individuals involved as soon as they're stepping off the floor, you know, on college campuses to understand that insurance isn't just, you know, boring. It's not just a piece of paper. It's a, it's a promise. It's relational. And there's a lot of fun you can have in the industry as well. Um, a lot of that, I think, also has to do with the technology side of stuff. I mean, updating, you know, our agency management systems and the way that carriers kind of portray different information to to service members or different producers would be a ton of help because, you know, the insurance industry is probably 15 to 20 years behind everybody else when it comes to technology and systems. So somehow, and I don't know, I don't have any of the answers, but speeding up that, that gap on the technology side of things and then the recruitment of just young individuals is going to be important. You said something interesting. I don't know if you picked up on it. Sure. You said like, I don't, well, I mean, I made fun of you, so you might've picked up on it. Mm, um, no, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, you said like, I don't know if I'd be able to do it if I was just doing the auto home and life game. Uh, sure. Is it the fact that maybe the next generation of what the industry may or may not look like is going to be more specific, right? More focused. Um, yeah. Have more, have, have more, more kind of depth. And this generalist is, is going to, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It, it, because when you said it, like, I don't know that I could do that. And it feels like that, that, that maybe is a generation past where, you know, we've kind of grown up in a time where 
such an abundance of information is available and not just information, but very like hyper niche focused stuff, right? With, with, mm-hmm. you know, like I just think about the stuff my kids and your kids are probably experiencing of, of YouTube sure. and how they can just even watch like, like specific toy reviews and things like that. Like we're, we're conditioned now for that specificity. And, yeah. um, I'd be curious if that's maybe something that, um, right. the industry kind of shifts towards, I, but it's, it's definitely a fight right now. No, I totally agree with you. It's not it's a perfect statement because I don't know how much longer you can, you know, succeed or, or live, you know, just trying to do everything for everybody. Yeah. Um, there are markets out there that just do one thing and they're very, very good at it and they make a ton of money doing it. And, you know, as an agency or as an agent, I think that that's where you kind of have to shift. I mean, I started off at Allstate right out of college, just, you know, cold calling auto home and life guys. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't specialize in any one thing. My head was running around in a circle. And so as a young individual coming right out of college, if you can learn one program, one niche piece of coverage, one line, what have you, uh, that's going to be super helpful in the advancement of, of our industry for sure. 